The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. And my name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a CPA and a mom to three girls. Michelle, my friend, did you get hung up on your name there? <laughs> I got hung up on trying not to burp on the podcast. <laughs> If I'm being honest. <laughs> um, 
I, uh, I presumed it was because we have so many other names we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, since That's we're going true. to be I... previewing Western States, since we're going to be talking about the uh, USA Track and Field Championships that are coming up this weekend. Um, and so uh, both you and I have just been iner- immersed in a sea of names over the course of the last little while as we prepare for this podcast, right? Yeah, it's a pretty crazy weekend for running uh, in the United States. So it's going to be epic. Um, for sure. For sure. Our friend Eric can't join us tonight. It's a shame because I realized when I was listening to last week's podcast that we never circled back around to the fact that he went to a massage therapist for the first time. Yeah, that was crazy. That blows my mind a little bit. But that story will probably also take like 45 minutes. So we should just save it for another episode. <laughs> It'll be an entire episode by itself. The story yeah. of Eric's first trip to a massage therapist and the reason why he had never seen one before. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Very good. How you doing? You managing the heat okay? Yeah, it's been, it's a hundred degrees now, but it's super dry, right? So it feels pretty good. The last, I don't know. I miss complaining about the heat. I've really been... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, you're like I'm, a new person. I'm talking to people about the heat all the time, but I'm not, it doesn't seem to be inhibiting me the way that it used to be. And I honestly wonder if it's because I don't really have some big race in, you know, September or October or November. And I'm not, you know, like on official training schedule or looking at my times and heat adjusting stuff. It's just kind of like, eh, it's hot and I'm in decent shape and I don't want to get out of shape. So I'm just going to go with it. So I think it's because of piss. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> but honestly, though, seriously, it is interesting that you say that maybe the reason why you're able to brook the heat so much better is because you don't have a race. So maybe all this time you were just blaming things on the heat and it was actually just the stress that you were bringing to the heat. I mean, the stress that I carried, you know, uh, time and time again of going into these races is definitely, I guess, something I learned the hard way, <laughs> which is it's actually really interesting. I was listening to uh, David Roach on his podcast and he was talking about, you know, heightened levels of anxiety going into a race and how they see it all the time and people's training logs. And, you know, everyone is so focused on sleep and hydration and nutrition and getting fit. And like almost unequivocally, if people don't have a good balance on, you know, managing anxiety around performance and race day, they lose sleep like across the board and seen as athletes. And I was listening to that, like, Oh, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) where was this podcast a year ago? Um, but yeah, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I went out Monday night this week, even it's just, it's hot as hell, man, but Mm -hmm. whatever. I don't know. It's good for my tan lines. (laughs) <laughs> when, I, when I picked up my sons today, they're, they're at a day camp right now where they're outside most of the day. When I picked them up yesterday, one of them had lost his water bottle and hadn't had anything to drink since lunchtime. And he was a disaster. Okay. That's um, terrifying. It, it, it actually was kind of terrifying. Um, and so we have been just, uh, drowning them in fluids over the course of the past 24 hours. And of course, just telling them how much they need to be uh, drinking and hanging in fluids when they're there. And the camp is actually very mindful, um, which is something that I appreciate um, about ensuring their safety and, and their hydration and all that stuff. But today was a much, much better day when they both came into camp, uh, came into the car after camp. One of them actually said, one of our counselors told us a phrase. And I was like, what's the phrase? And he said, hydrate or dihydrate. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, it's a little dark, but it works for me, buddy. Um, um, did you find out whether they know the word piss? Uh, I did not. That's not really the sort of thing you want to bring up. You know, hey, you heard the word piss before? No, what is it? Never mind. Forget I said anything. Well, that would literally planned. be the only thing it's... they talked about for the next year. <laughs> you can then explain to them what the acronym means. You can. So, oh, yeah. Good point. Have you heard episode. of piss, fellas? No. Okay. It means plan, inform, stick, and solve. There you go. <laughs> exactly. And then they go off to camp tomorrow and they say, Have I told you about piss before? <laughs> And yeah, that would really, really, really go over well. I'm oh sure. gosh. Well, yeah, I'm sure. If you haven't uh, listened to last week's podcast, you guys should uh, go listen to it. This yeah, will make yeah. a lot more if sense. you haven't listened to long, last week's podcast, you, you're really in the dark as to what we're talking <laughs> about here. Hey, um, we didn't mention last week um, a piece of news related to the Boston Marathon about the Boston Marathon qualifying window opening, right? Didn't they announce that? They did. So registration is going to be held September 12th to the 16th. Um, the qualifying window goes from the 1st of September, 2021 until the 16th, Friday, the 16th at 5 p.m. Um, and so you can start registering on September 12th, which is a Monday, but you can still actually run a qualifying time during that week um, and sneak it in before uh, before Friday at 5 p.m. So, um, so, yeah. And I think if I read correctly, uh, both the Erie Marathon and the Last Chance can, you can qualify for next year in 2024, possibly. I don't know. One of them, or you can get, you can grab two years of qualifications. I think. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, because the qualifying window, like yep. what I just said, the first of September, 2021 until the 16th of September, 2022, that's, that's a year and two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you run something in that last two weeks, it could be good for 2022 and for 2023. Yep. Clever girl. Mary, I'm not doing you, that. But I was gonna say you plan on I doing mean, that. <laughs> you know, th those of you who want to go for it, um, I went. I went to Erie, right? That's where I went that one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tried to run Erie with a pneumonia. I really don't recommend that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that awful. Really horrible. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you you know if you want to qualify for two years, sign up for one of those races. So you'll get in. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. The other thing that I think we might have mentioned last week, but we definitely didn't mention nearly as much as we should, is a reminder of the book of the quarter. Um, book of the quarter, we're suddenly actually, the end of the quarter is upon us here. Um, you know, there's only what, eight more days here in the quarter. And so if you haven't actually obtained your copy of Out of Thin Air by Michael Crawley, uh, go ahead and grab it and read it. Have you read it yet? Have you, have you finished it? I was wondering if I emailed you for an extension. Do you grant those? <laughs> Dr. Um, Darden? My, my, my students know Darden. that my students know that that I I am usually pretty forgiving on due dates because I am very bad at returning work promptly myself. Um, and it would be nothing if not hypocritical if I held them to very strict timelines and did not hold them myself. So, um, so yeah, I, I have become known in some circles at my college for being somebody who's fairly lenient with due date. So what you're saying is you need a little bit more time. And so maybe it should be like the book of the quarter plus three weeks. Yeah, that's, that would be actually <laughs> ideal. Um, All right, cool. So, so, so in other words, even though there's only about eight days left in the quarter, you have about a month then to, uh, to get your copy and read your copy of Out of Thin Air by Michael Crawley. Um, that's right. Uh, I got going on it real fast. I, I really enjoyed it. And then I just, um, something about 
trying to build my own firm and get two kids off to yep. summer camp in New York. Uh, every time I actually try to do housework and stuff and help them pack, I put on my AirPods and start something. And I don't think I get two or three minutes before, well, can we just talk to you while you do this? Or can we sit here with you? And it's like, well, no, I really want to listen to my book, but okay. I have teenage daughters who want to hang out with me. So, right. Yeah. Like, yes, I guess that you is, guys that is the existential you. struggle of every parent. Like it's a nightmare actually, but, but it's like, but, but you never want to look back because everybody says this happens and I'm in no hurry to find out, but you never want to look back and be like, Oh, I missed those days. And why didn't I hang out with them when they wanted to hang out with me? And, and, I know, but in the so. moments where they want to hang out, you just need like to like lose track of everything in your mind and do nothing. Yeah. It's hard. It's anyway. hard. Parenting. I'd love a three week extension. I'm sure our listeners would too. Right on, right on. Uh, Eric texted us right before we kicked it off here and talked about how much he was enjoying it. Um, uh, And so I haven't actually really dived deeply into it just yet. So, so the extension is a, is a, a good thing for me too, for sure. For sure. Um, All right. Like we said, we're going to be talking here about the USA championships and the Western States endurance run. Um, uh, both of which are this weekend. Um, let's start with the Western States endurance run because we probably have a little bit less to say about that. Um, Western States, the most storied ultra marathon, certainly in the United States. Um, what yeah. you say? I think it's one of the most iconic ultras out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a general uh, people, the best of the best, uh, they want to win Western States and they want to win UTMB. And I yeah. think there's a few others that are, you know, up and coming close behind hard rock being one of them. Um, Leadville's probably kind of like the next echelon down, but mm-hmm. otherwise this is, you know, I think what we all look forward to in America in terms of hundred mile foot races. So this year is, uh, it's interesting. The weather forecasts changed drastically in the last few days. It was looking to be, you know, a relatively, um, like not, I would say it was not going to be a crazy hot day, but it actually does look like it's going to be very hot. And I think the big fear, uh, with Western States is the heat that comes into the canyons in the days leading up to the race, not really just the days on the race. Cause yeah. the heat just stays in the canyons basically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of talk about course records. I mean, no, I'm not hearing any talk about that anymore because of the heat. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, we're seeing people, you know, race these 100s. I mean, we're not seeing finishes that are, you know, an hour apart. It's, I don't know if people feel good by the end, I guess, you know, it doesn't seem likely we would see a course record fall. And if I was somebody running, I would, I would run it to win it versus running, you know, to get a record. Cause I think racing the people out there and not the clock is, is probably going to be the, the best plan for based on the weather this weekend, but true, yeah. true. I mean, it's, it's always worth saying when Jim Walmsley set the course record for the men, um, in 2019, it was a brutally hot day. That's true. Um, too. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of par for the course that the, the Western States endurance run is really, 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 really hot. Uh, yeah. for sure. Um, another interesting fact about this year is that neither of the winners from last year are returning, yeah. uh, Jim Walmsley, we talked about this before, but he headed over uh, to the to Chamonix and the UTMB race course a few months ago. They were going to live out there for about four months before the race so he could acclimate and get a lot of experience on the trails. He's 
been tremendously successful in almost everything he's done, um, but it has, you know, not, uh, not performed at UTMB. So that's really his focus this year. Yeah. And Beth Pascal's also not starting Western States this year. Um, yeah. What's she doing? I couldn't find what she's doing instead. I don't actually know. I don't, I don't know. I think she might be injured. I don't okay. like, if you look on ultra sign up, has she run anything this year? I don't know. Yeah. I was, I was kind of digging around a little bit and trying to figure out why she wasn't there and, and injury actually makes the most sense. I couldn't find anything. I don't, um, Courtney yeah, DeWalter, who's the other big name, of course, is also not competing because she's doing hard rock, which you mentioned just a second ago. Um, and so, so that's going to be her focus here. But, um, but so, yeah, like the, the both defending champions not being there, um, that always leads to a little bit different dynamic. Um, um, seven of the men that finished in the top 10 last year are going to be there. Um, and it's funny, like as I was going through all the various contenders, many of whom I'll name here in just a second, I finally got to this point where I was like, and then there's like 20 more. <laughs> yeah, I would say, this, I mean, I think it's seven of the top 10 women are also returning. I, yeah. I might be one off or you might be one off, but it's the majority of the women and men in the top 10 from last year are both returning. But then honestly, you could but neither put the champions. 10. Yeah, yeah, put 11 through 20 in there, the, you know, and they have just as good of a chance of yeah. being top 10, if not, you know, uh, first through third place. Um, yeah. I personally think Ruth Croft uh, from New Zealand, I think she's just, I just don't think anybody can beat her right now, at least not in this race. This is a Western States is a remarkably runnable race, I would say for, you know, for a 100 mile race. Um, so, and then of course we have to mention her, but Camille Heron, who uh, she has never performed well here. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of commentary about how, she is or isn't the greatest. Um, she's always doesn't get that uh, accolade because she's never really proved herself in the mountains. Right. Um, so, I mean, she did gut out a finish, you know, and that was pretty incredible, but she's definitely looking, you know, to, I mean, if anybody goes out on, on record pace, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like it would be Camille, but right. I'd love to see her just hang back and, and race smart. Um, and, and get a good finish, top 10 finish, if not even higher, uh, but right. she'll be interesting to follow. So right. Ruth Croft, who you mentioned was second last year. Um, you know, when, when somebody is second and is having a good year, which she has yeah. been having um, and the winner from last year is not there, th they have to be the favorite, right? Yeah. But yeah. she's also just really remarkable right now. Um, mm -hmm. So, but who knows? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's a bunch of other people that are going to be up there with her. Yeah, yeah, you have Katie Asmuth, who was fifth last year. You had Ellie Pell, who won the Bandera 100K, which is a very technical 100K with like, what are they called? What are those cactuses yeah. called? But the thing is, is Western States isn't, you know, very technical. So right. it's, you know, these people that can win these races that are super, super technical, like Western States is very runnable. Right. Um, so there's... I don't think you can run it by pace, but there's just more, you know, running strategy at play here. Right. right. Um, but I think Ellie Pell will be up there. I, I don't see any reason why she wouldn't be top 10. Prickly pears. That's what those cactuses are called. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lucy yeah. Bartholomew was third place in 2018. So if anybody's finished in the top three in the last couple of runnings of it, you obviously can't, can't count them out either. Um, yeah. And, and so, I think Lucy Bartholomew is just sort of a fan favorite. <laughs> I'd yeah. love to see her have a good race there. So why do folks like her? 
I mean, she's got a great story. She's been doing this since she was a kid, grew up running crazy distances with her dad, mm-hmm. you know, went through a, a huge down patch, came back running really well. And I don't know. I like her. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, on the men's side, you had Tyler Green, who was second last year. And so you kind of have to consider him the favorite, even though there are other people who have maybe have done a little bit more this year. Drew Holman was third last year. Cody Lynn was fourth last year. Tim Tollison was fifth last year. Hayden Hawks was eighth last year. Kyle Curtin was ninth last year. Alex Nichols was 10th last year. Every single one of those guys is going to be back. Um, and you know um, that presuming that, in, that they're all healthy, um, every single one of them, given how they did last year and finishing in the top 10, uh, has an eye to, uh, to try and to, to finish at least on the podium, if not on the top step this year. Um, Jared Hazen uh, last ran this in 2019, um, but when he ran it in 2019, he ran the second fastest time ever. Um, he ran 14.26. He finished second that year behind Jim Walmsley, who of course set the men's course record that day as a matter of fact too. Um, Jared Hazen hasn't done a whole lot since then. Um, He actually qualified by finishing third at the Canyons Endurance Runs 100K behind a guy named Adam Peterman. Um, Adam Peterman is the one that everybody's kind of looking at as well. Um, Adam Peterman's only been an ultra runner for like a year. Um, He has literally won every single ultra run he has done so far, but he hasn't gone over 100K yet. That's that's a pretty big kicker when it's going to be, you know, 90 degrees. Um, And and so, so we'll kind of see how that goes. And, you know, you don't know kind of what's going on in his head either that uh, an extra 40 miles there, he might be like, you know, I think I'll kind of hang back a little bit. I think maybe I'll chill for the first half of this. Um, I would, if I was him, but I'm not him. So, yeah. I heard Adam on a pre-race on free trail podcast and Mm -hmm. kind of to what I was saying before, uh, you know, he was being told that he races on pace. Um, and he was kind of being told that you can't really pace a hundred mile race. And he was basically saying that he thinks he can. Okay. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what happens. Um, right. but right. no, I wanted to mention, um, two things. So Tyler green and the other Nike, uh, trail runners, we found out two days ago. So today's the 22nd. So on the 20th of June, uh, Nike is, releasing or these guys are likely to make a strategic shoe change into Nike's new carbon plated trail shoe. Mm -hmm. Um, it's all white. And I think, you know, we'll probably see these guys change shoes after Robinson flats. I mean, after later in the race, um, Tyler was really specific that he was going to change shoes and a few other guys that had interviewed before him. So I guess it was probably recorded. They weren't really sure how much they could divulge about the prototype trail shoe from Nike that they were wearing. But, um, if you see, you know, Nike guys out there changing into bright white shoes, uh, towards the latter <laughs> part of the race, just know that, uh, that's what those are. Yeah. What are they called? Like the trail fly or something. Nike ultra fly trail, Nike ultra fly trail. All right. There yeah, you go. So there's a, there's a subreddit called Nike ultra fly, ultra fly trail. Finally. <laughs> yeah you sent me you texted me that subreddit or at least the link to that subreddit and, yeah. uh, I, I read like one or two things um if you're wondering what the shoes look like they look like pegasus trail shoes 
Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, just aesthetically, that's that's what they look like, which I've bragged about it before on this podcast. I think that's a good kind of low profile trail shoe. It's not overbuilt. It's not beefy. It's not, you know, uh, something that it's not. It's just sort of a svelte trail shoe. Um, but of course, this one has a full length carbon plate in it um, and some amount of PBAX based foam. Um, and so so, yeah, we'll see how it performs. Do you agree that they're an amazing looking shoe? It's a cool like, looking shoe. It's yeah. a good looking shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. Uh, I, I, I grudgingly have to admit that. Yeah. I'm hoping Tim Tollison pulls off the win. I think it's just his yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Tim Tollison fan. So a lot of people are big Tim Tollison's fans, man. Um, he was, he was fifth last year, like we said before, and dude has finished on the podium of like every race ever. Come um, on. It's just, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. he's, yeah. I think he's ready. Gosh, yeah. I really hope yeah. so. <laughs> Like I said, there's like 20 more people we could yes. mention, um, you know, and the, like I didn't even mention Arlen Glick. Arlen Glick has more than more 100 mile wins than anybody else in the field. But he's kind of like Camille Heron. They're mostly on kind of the more runnable uh, flat ones, you know, the ones that are around tracks and Tunnel Hill and things like that. So, um, yeah. but obviously you can't discount the guy who literally has won more 100 mile races than anybody else in the entire field. Um, and then, like you said, there's there's plenty of people from spots 11 through 20 that are returning as well from last year. Um, so. I'll tell you, Hayden Hawks was on the Billy Yang podcast and he was basically the most self-assured person I've ever heard. I mean, yeah. he basically <laughs> like I'm coming, I'm going to win as if it was like a done deal. So it'll mm -hmm. be, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see the way he runs because I've mm -hmm. never heard you know, such audacious comments about how well someone's going to run ahead of Western States, mm. uh, like the ones he made on that podcast about himself. Right. So All right. Hayden Hawks, the uh, course record holder at the JFK 50, um, yeah. who spends a lot of time riding his bike on Zwift. Um, <laughs> so I follow him on Strava and I follow him on Zwift as well. But, um, but yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be certainly very interested to see what happens here. Um, I did read where the race director every year, they try to give more and more updates to people who are following along, like as the race is going on. Um, and so um, they are once again, trying to up the amount of so-called live coverage that they can give. Um, and so it'll be fun to follow along. Um, I, I look forward to it uh, for sure. Yeah. I, I typically follow the I run far coverage. It's mm -hmm. yeah you know, by far and away, some of the best coverage typically. So, yeah. And they, and they, they bring to it a depth of understanding and knowledge about the sport that you're not really going to find in many other places, yeah. at least in the English language. Um, yes, that's true. So very good. Very good. Um, let's talk about USA's. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, I was talking to my friend, Josh Glass, friend of the podcast, Josh Glass, he's been on here before. Um, and he was saying that, that, he had over the course of the next month or so, four trips to Eugene, Oregon planned. <laughs> one of them was Prefontaine. One of them was NCAAs. One of them was USA championships. And then one of them was the world championships. Um, and so two down, two to go for my friend Josh here. Um, but the USA championship um, is going to be this weekend. It's at uh, the University of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon in their brand new Beautiful stadium they have there, um, and uh, qualifiers will get to run on the world championship team, uh, which is also going to be in Eugene. The first time it's ever been on American soil, the world track and field championships, um, and it moves around a lot. So, you know, it's not like it's going to be in the United States again anytime real soon. So 
Uh, but, this is probably the only opportunity that a lot of people are going to have to run a world championship meet um, in the United States. But if you're a spectator, you might actually be able to go overseas to the next one or two or three mm. and spend less money than it would cost you <laughs> to get to Eugene and find lodging in Eugene for Worlds. So, is, so is, is lodging is the killer right now? I mean, it's all a killer. The tickets are like $1,300. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. The flights are $800. This is, and it's been this way for months. I'm sure now it's, you know, even crazier. Um, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, we don't do our sport any favors with, you know, it's an idyllic location, but it's pretty remote and hard to get to. And mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, we will see. We will see. Um, let's talk about, um, what do you want to talk about first? How do you want to go about it here? I mean, I'm mostly going to talk about the men. You're mostly going to talk about the women, kind of like we just did with Western States. But um, uh, you want to talk about specific races? You want to talk about what you're looking forward to most? What do you think? Well, why don't you lead off with the men's races that you want to talk about? And then I'll try to talk about the women's equivalent. <laughs> I got you. Okay, that sounds good. Well, we should probably lead off since, you know, we're both distance runners here. Um, we're going to focus more heavily, obviously, on the distance stuff. But Notably, there will not be a 10,000 meters this weekend at the USA Championships. Um, they held the, the 10,000 meters US Championships um, back on May 27th. Um, and so we won't be seeing that this weekend. Do you know why they did that, Michelle? I do, because the turnaround of running a really hard yeah. 10K this weekend and then the, the way that it falls in the world schedule, it basically has them running it again in three weeks time, I think. Okay. Um, but even if it was, even if it's four weeks, it's just to come down from a really hard 10 K and then be ready to compete on a world level again, you know, within the next three to four weeks, this gives them more time to recover. Especially if you're, especially if you're doing the 5k as well. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if there, this was really into their reasoning, but obviously it gives people who are trying to do a 10, five double, which really was only, um, Elise Cranny and Carissa Schweitzer, I would say, and, and Elise pulled out of the 10 K, uh, trial. So, um, more time to, to recover and, you know, really focus on the five on its own, instead of having to run potentially a semifinal and a five, a final and a five and a final and a 10 K all in the same weekend. So that's so hard. Yeah. Um, la- in 2021 at the Olympic trials in 2021, Woody Kincaid won the 10,000 meters and he qualified for the Olympic team in the 5,000 meters. Um, he ended up pulling out of the 10,000 meters um, about four miles into the race. He said he had a side stitch. Um, and most people were saying that he probably would have won. He was pretty fit. Most of his teammates said he was pretty fit and all that sort of thing, but he ended up pulling out. And so all his eggs are going to be in the 5,000 meter basket this weekend. Um, Joe Klecker ended up winning, um, who we've talked about a little bit before. He outkicked Grant Fisher, who of course we've talked about a whole lot in this, on this uh, podcast before, uh, the American record holder. Um, Emmanuel Bohr was set to finish third, was running in third, but like fell apart over the last couple of laps. And then on the final lap, he like drifted out into lane six and fell down. Um, um, And in the midst of all of that, Sean McGordy caught up. Um, and ended up finishing third. And so that's going to be the uh, the world's team in the 10,000 for, for the men is Joe Klecker, uh, Grant Fisher, and Sean McGordy. Yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, Woody Kincaid, you know, seemed like he was a given for the 10 um, until he dropped out. So I think we'll see him, you know, <laughs> really race for a spot in the five this coming weekend. But And he has, and we might as well just segue right into the five then, he has the uh, the the third fastest PR in the five thousand meters in the field. 
Um, and so between that and the fact that he ran the last lap of the 10,000 meters in 52-7 um, in, in the 2021 Olympic trials, um, a fast time, an ability to run fast and a fast kick, that's kind of what you need in order to be able to, to run fast or, or to qualify for the team here. Um, and so that's kind of what he is. Now, um, it is going to be the final for the 5,000 meters is going to be at two o'clock on Sunday. And it's forecasted to be about 89 degrees um, during that race. And so that's going to have some bearing on it. We don't know exactly what the bearing is going to be because the weather can be such a gigantic X factor, but we'll see. Um uh, so there's a lot of talk, I think, about uh, petitioning to move both the women's and men's mm -hmm. 5K to earlier Sunday morning. But mm -hmm. I don't know, USATF sometimes, it just doesn't seem like they care about the heat. <laughs> Clearly, whoever wrote the schedule did not. Because, because, because even if it wasn't 89 degrees, if it was 79 degrees, still having it at so 2 o'clock in the afternoon on, on the last day. Anybody who writes a schedule and says, oh, well, let's have a track meet in June um, and let's put the distance races at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's a person who like clearly has not run any of those distance races in the heat or something. I don't know. Or just doesn't care or has this sort of weird, you know, no pain, no gain type mentality. But um, one way or another, that's when it is. And so, yeah, it would be nice to see that changed. Um, you have Grant Fisher who, uh, who ran 1253 indoors. We talked about that and what an impressive performance that was, uh, setting the American record. Um, and that's the fastest PR indoor or outdoor of anybody else in the field. Um, Paul Chalimo has been the best 5k runner in the United States for the past, uh, several years. He won the silver medal in the 2016 Olympics has a second fastest PR also under 13 minutes. Um, and then I already mentioned Woody Kincaid there. Um, you have Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker, the two Oregon runners who are also going to be competing in the 1500. Um, Cooper Tier has run PRs at just about every distance here over the course of the last little while. And Cole Hawker probably has the most fearsome kick of any runner in the United States. And so um, he certainly can kind of hang and, and, and potentially outkick everybody, um, which would be a problem for him. Um, I would like to see Nico Young since we've been bragging about him and I, I for some reason have just been completely turned on to him over the course of the nice little while here he's going to be running as age 19. Um, Olin Hacker the 25 year old who won NCAAs is also going to be running so for what that's worth. Um, uh, Abdi Hamad um, Noor um, who is uh, one of Nico Young's teammates at NAU. Um, also will be running. Um, he doesn't have quite as strong as kick as the rest of the crew, and so probably won't be able to do that. And then Connor Mance, who we've also talked about a lot on, on this podcast, um, he's also going to be running the 5,000, but he, kind of like um, kind of like Abdi Hamad Noor, um, is a super strong, super fast runner, very, very powerful, but does not have the greatest kick. Um, and so just with the way that, that pros work, particularly if it's going to be 89 degrees and they end up running it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, um, it's going to be a kicker's race. So, yeah. We'll it's see. always fun to watch Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker go after it together too. So, yeah, well, and, it, and I think it would be cool if the two of them kind of ran as a team and then maybe you had Woody Kincaid and Grant Fisher running as a team and, and like trying to employ team Active. tactics in order to make the, the race unfold the way they wanted to. I would love to see that. Sure. Um, but I don't know if we will. Um, I would yeah. far, I, and then you have Nico Young and Abdi Hamid Noor like running as an NAU team. So, ooh. Starting to get excited about it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's happening so on the women's over, side? Yeah, the women's 5K, um, a lot of times there's a prelim uh, and then a final. This year, you know, I think tougher standards 
um, at less qualifiers. There's only one race that comes in also Sunday, uh, early afternoon. It's way too hot to run this race. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the start list is packed with people. I would say when I look at the start list, the first thing that comes to me is it's packed with people running other events. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's hard to know, uh, it's not hard to know, but it's always like a guessing game, whether people are going to run the 15 and if they don't make the final, then they have enough left for the five or, you know, if they're really 5k runners, but, um, I know Carissa Schweitzer is running the five. And she said that if she made the team, she would double at world. She was also just recently, um, on, uh, cold brew podcast and said that she hadn't run a 1500 in a long time and thought she would break four minutes and was it four oh point something and she really hoped jerry would let her run another one so i thought it was interesting because she's entered in the 15 um i don't know if she'll run it but mm -hmm. otherwise i really think what we're looking for in the 5k um emily enfeld had a heartbreaking fourth place in the 10k mm -hmm. so she's looking uh for a ticket back to worlds again you know she's a 10,000 meter bronze medalist uh from worlds in 2017 2015 one of those. Um, and it would be amazing to see her make a team. She had crazy hip surgery, um, and is just really taken kind of the, the long, slow road back, but she looks to be really strong, uh, kind of all cylinders firing. So again, it'll be interesting to see if Carissa can double. Um, she had a really bad experience trying to double at the five and 10 in Tokyo and underwent uh, surgery, Achilles surgery. So it turned out she was running very injured in the Olympics. Um, and it's amazing really to see any athlete go through that tennis surgery and, and come back to top form. Um, and then of course, Elise Cranny, who, you know, we thought was pretty much a shoe in for the 10 K she came out the week of the 10 K and basically just said, she doesn't feel like herself. So she wasn't going to start that race. And then, you know, just on a, fan favorite level. I'd love to see Emily Lapari and uh, Annie Rodenfelds have, have good races and, and maybe uh, sneak in there and grab a spot. Maybe Annie has a better chance in the sequel, but Emily Lapari would be, she's just always right there, always just knocking at the door, uh, never really getting in. So yeah, should be a good race. Very good. Very good. Yeah. The other thing to say about people who are doing other races, whether it's a 1500 or the steeple is okay. If they make the team in those other things, um, what will then, how will that influence what they then do in the 5,000 meters? Cause the 5,000 meters is going to be one of the last, one of the very last things. So, um, for the men, like, for example, I mentioned Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker, if they make the team in the 1500, presumably they'll start the 5,000, but I don't know whether they'll actually really focus on it. Um, or even if they do make the, the do make the team, will they actually then double up when it comes to worlds? Don't know. Um, yeah. we'll have to see. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, let's talk about the steeple then, because you mentioned the steeple there at the very end. Um, there is a clear favorite in the men's steeple chase, and that's Hillary Bohr. Um, he's run 817, 813, and 812 already this year. Um, the field after him is kind of wide open. Um, not really sure who the other favorites are, um, but there were two collegians who finished second and third in the NCAAs a couple of weeks ago. Um, they ran the exact same time. They both ran 818.88 um, to finish second and third. Um, it was Montana State's Duncan Hamilton and Georgetown's Parker Stokes. I would really like to see Duncan Hamilton make a team. Um, I was super impressed watching him at NCAAs. He uh, led literally the entire race. 
Um, and then coming off the final water jump, um, the leader um, of the race or the ultimate winner of the race ended up kind of kicking past him and, and, and winning in a kick. Um, and Duncan Hamilton, despite the fact that he really struggled over the final water jump and the final hurdle, um, was able to hold together and just barely literally again same time but just barely hold off parker stokes from georgetown um so i after such a brave run and after losing um getting second place in that manner uh, i would like to see him qualify for a world's team i think that would be kind of fun to see you also have evan yeager who is undoubtedly the best uh steeplechaser in u.s history um has run right at eight flat for uh for the steeple um is american record holder um, but he has not run USA championships since 2018. Um, he's been injured a lot over the course of the last long while. Um, doesn't have a super strong kick, um, but had never needed it in the past because he was so strong and so powerful relative to the rest of the field. Um, he's gotten a little bit older now and, um, and, and maybe he would need that kick. He's run some really fast 5,000s this year, um, some fairly fast 5Ks, but hasn't run a whole lot of really fast steeples yet. So we'll kind of see. Um, I don't think anybody's actually expecting him to make the team, um, but he's such a brilliant runner. Um, and, uh, and like I said, he's the best steeplechaser in American history. So you can't really talk about the fact that he's going to be in the race and not mention him as a factor, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And then you got Courtney Wayman. <laughs> yeah. So I also... I guess we'll see how good I am because in all my notes, I forgot about the steeple entirely. <laughs> you scroll down, there's no women's steeple notes. Um, but let's talk also about the greatest, uh, you know, women's steepler, Emma Coburn. Yeah. Um, she's coming back from a very disappointing Tokyo. This, I think, would be her chance to yeah. um, become a 10-time national steeple champion. Uh, but she's got some fierce competition right behind her. Like we talked about last week, Courtney Wayman ran a nine sixteen. I am going in blind here. She was, so, was, it was nine sixteen flat. You're totally right. About but every, that. everybody, all my friends on my running chat podcast will tell me if I'm wrong. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so Courtney Wayman's coming in strong. She announced today that she signed with on to continue her career as a professional runner. Okay. And then of course, you know, we have, um, Courtney Fryricks, who's the Olympic silver medalist and we are going to see and the Paul former NCAA record holder. Yeah. Courtney <laughs> took that record right away from her. Um, and then of course we're seeing Colleen Quigley back at USA's for the first time since 2019. She, uh, is a, you know, uh, 2016 Olympian. She, um, ran for the Bowerman track club. She left the Bowerman track club. She's kind of doing her own thing sponsored by Lululemon has definitely been more of an influencer the past few years, um, dealt with a ton of injury. I think she's probably spent more time in the pool than she has on land, but she seems to be fit and she qualified by less than a second. So she earned her spot at uh, these trials. And then of course uh, we have Val Const who's coming Constine, who's an Olympian and, you know, coming back to look to make another uh, senior national team. So, I mean, I think we're going to have to see an amazing run from Emma in order for her to kind of maintain um, the dominant role she's had as the best American steepler in women's history. Um, but, you know, I'd be surprised if she didn't make the team. Uh, and then I think, you know, anything, I don't know, man, anything goes in this race. Um, we haven't seen any really fast times this year. So, it's hard to know whether they'll be, you know, strategic or whether we're going to really see some fast times, but I'm really excited to watch the sequel. 
Um, one thing to note is Emma has a way better heat, like all the other Courtney and um, Colleen and uh, yeah, the Courtney. Both Courtney's. I'm like, yeah. who's the other? So we've got Courtney Damon, <laughs> Courtney Pryor, and Colleen. They're all in. They're all in the same heat. So I think Emma um, kind of drew drew the better uh, prelim, but it's going to be a good race. So excited to to watch them go after it, and hopefully, yeah. no devastating falls or crashes or anything. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned like Courtney Frerichs, Emma Coburn, Colleen Quigley. Like all the stars in yeah. my mind are in the steeple. Yeah. And then you have Courtney Wayman, who's run faster than all of them this year. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that is going to be a fun race to watch. And Emma Coburn with 10 titles. That's I think she has nine. Like, I think this would be her oh my 10th. Gosh. That's just amazing um, to, to be that good and that consistent at that level for that long. Um, that's super impressive. Um it actually segues nicely into somebody who will not be repeating as a titleist this year in the 1500. Um, so Matt Centrowitz is notable in the 1500 this year by his absence. Um, yeah. uh, he has won the past eight uh, U.S. 1500 meter titles. Um, and that goes back, I don't know how many, to what year that goes back to, but it goes pretty far back. Um, and then along the way, of course, he also won the gold medal in the 1500 in the 2016 Olympics. But um, he had a knee injury earlier this year, um, had to have knee surgery, and that knocked him out for the entire remainder of the year. And so um, whoever ends up being crowned champion is going to be um, the first person not named Matthew Centrowitz um, to actually win in nine years here. Um, there's lots of fast people. Um, eight Americans ran 336 or faster. Eight American men ran 336 or faster at the Portland, Portland Track Festival on June 11th. Um, Jared uh, Nagoose actually won that race. Um, he's still an undergrad at, uh, at Notre Dame, um, but it took him a little while to get in shape, um, and he was kind of injured towards the tail end of indoor season, even though he still ran some pretty fast indoor times early in that season. And so he ended up redshirting outdoors, but got over his injury pretty quickly and got into pretty good shape and has run 334.98 to beat um, the seven other people under 336 there at the Portland Track Festival a couple of weeks ago. Um, you have Cooper Tier who I mentioned before when we were talking about the 5,000, he PR, he has PR this year in the 800, 1500 and the 5,000. Um, he has the fastest time coming in um, uh, of a 334, um, a little bit faster than the 334 that year in the goose ran. Um, and then of course you have Cole Hawker who won the Olympic trials last year, um, made the Olympic final um, uh, and whose kick, as I said before, is just almost unassailable. Um, uh, and then also I want to mention Hobbs Kessler. Um, we've talked about Hobbs Kessler on or Hobbs Kessler on this uh, podcast before. It's been a little while since we have. He's one of the people who actually paced Nick Willis and Nick Willis's 20th straight uh, sub four or, or um 20th year's worth of subforce um, uh, that we talked about a couple of months ago or a few months ago here on the podcast. But uh, he's just finishing up his freshman year at the University of Michigan. Um, he His fastest time was still as a high school senior when he ran 334.36, which translates to a 351 mile um, that he ran as a high school senior, which is mind-blowingly good. Uh, he's from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, just hasn't quite gotten back to those times this year, but um, obviously a great runner, and uh, I would like to see him do well, um, given that I am also an alumnus of the University of Michigan. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, just want to throw it in there that Ear Nagus um, mentioned or announced today that he also has signed with On to continue his career, and he's actually going to join yeah. On Athletics Club out uh, in Colorado with Ethan Ritzenheim. So very good. Um, so he is foregoing any remaining eligibility he had then. Yeah, but the Notre Dame coach, as you know, is also going to Tennessee. So there's a lot of that's you know I think it's probably better for him to just sign and and move on because yeah to go pro coach is leaving <laughs> yeah. so um yeah so unlike the uh men's 1500 all of the stars of the women's 1500 are returning um we haven't seen them race much this season they both were recently kind of sick but El Perrier St. Pierre and Heather McLean are uh coming back and um Corey McGee also she spent a little bit of time at the beginning of the outdoor season over I think she went to Rome um you know None of the three of them, they made up the Tokyo 1500 meter team, have done anything too remarkable this season. Um, but this is going to be a race where, you know, a lot of it is going to come down, I think, to experience and to racing smart. It might not necessarily be, you know, a bunch of people running sub four, but it is going to be, I think, whoever runs the smartest is going to make the team. Um, I think there's a bunch of doors open uh, just because Elle and Heather, I mean, I think they had recent bouts of COVID and I think for Heather, this might've been the second time she's had it. Don't quote me on that, but um, you know, they're just now rounding into shape and that really leaves room for people like Eleanor Fulton, Josette Norris, Elise Cranny, of course, um, Sinclair Johnson has just, uh, she made a coaching change and she is kicking ass. And then, you know, somebody who we have no idea what she's racing like, but Rebecca Mara has been up there um, Your the last favorite. few years making the finals. Um, she's the runner that was, you know, famous on CNN for uh, doing the grocery shopping for uh, a senior citizen during that first wave of COVID, um, which seems like an eternity ago, but I guess it's really only, what, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just interesting to know, I mentioned before, Krista Schweitzer is on the start list for the 1500. I don't know, but um, Allie Wilson, who also, you know, of the Atlanta Track Club, who's going in uh, with one of the top seeds in the 800 is also on the start list for the 1500. So this is going to be, I mean, this is always a hot race. It's over real fast, just right under four laps, and it's going to be super fun to watch. So, uh, awesome. yeah, I'm Very excited. Good. Very good. Very good. I, I right. would say I'm... Anyone who follows the sport knows that, um, you know, Kate Grace is is noticeably missing from both this and the 800 and from trials entirely because she's dealing with long COVID right now. So uh, it's hard yeah. not to just mention her her absence. Uh, she just yeah. had an amazing year last year. You know, I think she finished seventh in the world in the 800 after not making the Olympic team. And I thought it was going to be fantastic to just see her build on that momentum and hopefully run in Eugene, but, uh, she's notably missing. She thought so too, man. Um, yeah. you know, there, there was, there was a study that came out several months ago, uh, that said that 75% of the people who have long COVID had just sort of moderate cases of COVID the first time they were not hospitalized. Um, and she falls into that category. It's not like she had really, really bad COVID. And then now she has the remnants of it. Like she had a moderate case of COVID. She got sick, but, but was not, you know, on a ventilator in the hospital, or anything else like that. Um, and it just didn't quite go away, um, yeah. which is awful. Um, and I would definitely feel for, for that. Yeah. Um, 
All right. And let's talk about the 800 meters, of course. So we've kind of moved uh, moved down in distance this year. Let's talk about the 800 meters, uh, the 800 meters in which we have friends of the podcast competing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, which, which, which we always like. Of course, Shane Strike uh, will be competing for the men for the Atlanta Track Club. Um, and uh, we would like to see him do well. Um, uh, certainly make the final. Um, I would like to see that happen. Um, and if he did, I think that would be a successful USA Championships for him, for sure. Um, and uh, but I know that he probably has his sights set on something even a little bit better for that. Um, it's a tough setup in the 800. Um, you have to run three races in four days, and the 800 meters is such a hard race. Um, there's almost no way that you can really run it in such a fashion that it isn't going to, to make you really tired. Um, and so maybe somebody like Shane, who I said on the podcast, seems to be more inclined towards distance. Maybe that sets up well for him. Um, I hope like so. Like a strength runner? Yeah. Um, somebody who, who is speedy, obviously, but somebody who has um, uh, a little bit more staying power as well. Um, I would certainly like to see that happen for him. Um, it's of note that Donovan Brazier, <clears throat> who is the reigning champion, um, uh, gets a bye into the world championships as long as he competes at the trials at the U S championships here. And so as long as he like finishes the first round, even if he doesn't even qualify for the final, um, he actually gets a buy. Um, and so the United States gets to send four men, uh, since we have the, uh, the reigning 800 meter champion, um, uh, Donovan Brazier, that's a good thing that he actually has that buy because he's been injured. Um, and he's really not at his best right now, um, by all indications. Um, Clayton Murphy and Bryce Hopple um, have been the two big names over the course of the last short while in, uh, in, in addition to Donovan Brazier. Um, uh, and I think both of them are certainly favorites to, uh, to make the team. Um, who's going to finish third? That's, that's pretty difficult to say. Uh, Isaiah Jewett finished second last year um, after he just made the race last year at the Olympic trials, uh, took it out hard and ran 143 to finish second. Um, and so that was kind of exciting to see. And I would, I would like to see him do something similar here. Um, but I would say he's probably the favorite to finish third behind those two guys. Um, I want to see Shane certainly do well. Um, and we'll see how he does. Um, and then one other name I'll mention with the 800 is a guy named Cade flat. Um, Cade flat is a high school senior. Um, he has run, 146.48 and 146.51. Um, the high school record is 146.45. So he That's missed it by 0. 0.03 and 0. 0.06. <laughs> Come on, Cade, you can do better. Um, and so certainly I would like to see uh, Cade Flat get the uh, United States high school record. Uh, all he needs is just a few more hundreds, uh, you know, less than one twentieth of a second, and he will be a high school American record holder. Um, but uh, if he were to make the final, that would be brilliant um, for sure. Um, I think he's a stretch to make the final, but uh, hopefully in the process of trying to make the final, he will indeed run a new American record, but we'll have to watch and see. Awesome. Um, yeah. Having finished my workout today with an 800, I, I will just <laughs> forever maintain it is so grueling. Yeah. Um, and the women's 800 just always is, is nail biting. And I don't expect it to be any different this weekend. Um, Aything Mu, Ajay Wilson and Allie Wilson um, go in with the top three times. I think Mu is, you know, probably a complete, I mean, it'd be shocking if she didn't jog <laughs> to yeah. a spot on the team. Um, and of course, you know, Ajay has been running really well. 
And again, Atlanta Track Club's Allie Wilson's going in with one of the top three times. Um, and just a reminder, she was sixth at Olympic trials. You know, in 2021, she had lowered her personal best. Like she basically took over four seconds off of her time. So, which um, is insane in an 800. Yeah, she's fifth fastest in the world so far this year. Um, so it'll be exciting to see that. And then, you know, also just to mention Atlanta Track Club's own Olivia Baker, who uh, has been running amazing. She just, you know, broke two minutes in the 800. And Sadie Henderson, uh, former friend, former guest, current friend of the podcast. <laughs> there it is. Um, you know, also is uh, a 157 runner. And so far this season, she hasn't broken two yet, but she's getting faster and faster every week. Um, they'll both be vying for spots. I'd love to see them in the finals. And, you know, if any of these Atlanta track club ladies, Allie Wilson, Olivia Baker, Sadie Henderson, if they get to the finals, watch out. Um, they, they have a, they have as good as a chance as anybody. I really think this is, you know, this is one of Atlanta track clubs, best, uh, best events in terms of sending people to worlds this year. So, um, yeah, it'll be really good to watch this race. It's a lot of rounds and a lot of people and, you know, only the top three make it. So, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. We're going to talk next week about how uh, World Athletics, which is the governing body, the international governing body of, uh, of track and field, has uh, proposed some changes to the way that people qualify for marathon teams um, in, in uh, the Olympics. Um, but one of the great things about the American trial system is if you have a good race on the day, you can make that team. Um, and, and certainly we have seen that, that, uh, even this year, a lot of things can happen in a race. A lot of things that are unforeseen, uh, can happen. And somebody who we have not even mentioned tonight can find themselves on a world championship team competing in just a few weeks here, um, in the first ever world track championships in North America, uh, in the United States. So, uh, we will look forward to that. Um, other stories you want to mention, other people you want to watch other, uh, kind of big things. Um, I mean, I want to talk about all of it, but I guess I'll just, you know, <laughs> moving down in distance, I think there's a bunch of storylines, um, but I really am looking forward to watching Allison Felix, uh, and what's likely to be her final race. Um, again, she's an 11 time Olympic medalist, you know, in her farewell season, uh, she told us on Tuesday, uh, she announced that even if she comes in top three, she doesn't know if she'll race the 400 meter at worlds. Uh, but she would, you know, she said that she hopes to run at least uh, on one relay in Eugene. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how she competes and, and how her body holds up. And, you know, I'll just throw a few more in really quickly. It's always exciting to see Sydney McLaughlin and um, Delilah sure. Muhammad go at it in the yeah. 400 meter hurdles. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the two of them ran some of the best head to head races um, in track and field last year. Oh yeah. Um, and so I'm excited about that too. So. Um, okay. Since I'm a co-host, I get to decide. So just a few more things. <laughs> I love Michelle Carter. She's coming back. Uh, she's the 2016 gold medalist in the shot put. Um, she, shot put. Yeah. We are, okay. we are branching we're, out here on the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. <laughs> we're throws people for like 90 seconds. Um, no, but she hasn't competed probably, probably in 15 months or so, maybe just to, maybe a little bit less, but she had a benign tumor on her right ankle that was removed and it's been fun seeing her come back. Um, and then again, you know, we talked a lot about Abby Steiner last week with NCAA. So we're going to see her go up against these professional runners in the 200. And 
the 100 meter brings all of its own drama and chaos with uh, Shikari, which I don't really mm-hmm. want to go into very much, but it's worth mentioning that she'll get another chance uh, at a spot on the senior national team this weekend. So, okay. yeah, we we're not talking about sprints, but like I just wanted to get a little in. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we, the, the main reason why we're not talking about sprints is because we talked so much about sprints last week. <laughs> we like we like met our yearly quota last week or at least went over. And so we can't talk about too much. Abby Steiner has already run 47 races this year in 2022. Yeah, um, I mean, I, you so. know, I think something to also watch for is just the uh, NCAA champions and, you know, just anybody who's run the full gamut of cross country yeah. indoor track outdoor track these guys are coming in with no rest yeah i mean they have been racing you know they just go and go and go so it's always interesting to see kind of who can hold up and uh who just you know just get into the start line is all they can possibly muster Um, yeah 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 is that the reason why you haven't talked about caitlin tui is that the reason why you don't think she's going to make the 5,000 team um i didn't even put her on my notes did i no. Well, I forgot about the steeplechase entirely, so my notes are not very <laughs> thorough. <laughs> um, I'd be great to see Caitlin make the team. I feel like Kate, like Caitlin's had such a good year. She doesn't, yeah. you know, oh. let her. I I don't know. If I was Caitlin, I'd be at the beach by now. <laughs> right, right. No, if I was any of these collegians, I would be at the beach by now. Collegian distance runners. Um, yeah. uh, you know, sprinters is different. They don't start till you know January, and they're and they're sure. chomping at the bit by the time it comes. But but yeah, you're totally right. I mean, this is not the same thing. I qualified for junior nationals my freshman year in college, and that race wasn't until the end of June, right about this same time. And I had started running cross country in August and had to try and keep up a high level of work until the end of June. Um, it was awful. Too much. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a really, really long time to be running hard and pushing yourself and digging deep and trying to, to perform at a high level. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. Final thoughts, Michelle. Yeah. So I forget what it was in NCAAs, but I spoiled the results for you. So I just want to make a public promise to <laughs> not text you about any races until I know for sure that you've watched them. I appreciate that. But, I appreciate that. I remember the fact that you this? spoiled something, but I can't remember what it was. And so clearly I'm not very mad at you. Oh, it was a good spoil, man. It was a good race. <laughs> it <laughs> but, was. Actually, I'm going to have to like scroll back through it now and just see, just because I don't feel like maybe I've given you sufficiently a hard time about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Enjoy Western States and USA's this weekend, my friend. Yeah, you too. So thanks for hanging out with me and talking about it. I look forward to seeing how it all turns out. And of course, we will talk about how it all turns out uh, pretty soon here. Not next week, because next week we're going to be talking to Justin and Justin about the Tour de France, because that starts next weekend. Um, And so we will have our once annual cycling podcast. Um, You're welcome to come, Michelle, and ask questions. Well, I already have a bunch of questions listed. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to come because I feel like I kicked them out of their spot this week because I insisted on this podcast. <laughs> so if they want me to come, let me know. All right. but, I do, May- but thank you to the Justins for giving up uh, Wednesday night, June 22nd, because Michelle insisted on recording. <laughs> what, George? It's USA's and Western States. We have to have a podcast this week. Fair, fair, fair. Um, thanks, Michelle. All right. Good night, guys. Or good night, George. Eric's not here. That's so sad. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. 
You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.